if you get a non-alcoholic drink, it's in one type of glass and you get an alcoholic drink, it's in another type of glass. So I would ask for like soda water in the same type of glass that you get alcohol in. Welcome to the Tip the Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of Law Rank. Today, I am live with Joe Volta. We talked about starting your own firm, social media. We talked about alcohol for a little bit longer than I would uh, have preferred. If you don't follow Joe on social, you should. He's a really, really, really cool dude. My name is Joe Volta. I am currently an owner of Chandler Volta Law Firm. Congrats. Thank you so much. It's been a long process. Uh, We'll talk about it. We will. We will. It's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And we also do a little practicing, well, all over the state of South Carolina as well, but uh, basically like the northern part of South Carolina. I remember when you didn't have your own firm. Your story is unique. So why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about what happened and how did you finally end up doing it? Sure. So I guess I can start from the, the very beginning of getting a late start in the legal profession, right? I didn't become an attorney until I was 30. I worked at a firm in Baltimore where I also have a license in, in Maryland, obviously. And I worked at a firm that my dad worked at for, I guess he's worked there for 30 some years. He just retired. And then I decided, you know, my family and I, we wanted to move to the Carolinas. And so I took the bar exam again, moved to the Carolinas in 2019. And then as we all know, COVID hit in 2020. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's when I actually got on social media and started meeting so many people um, and learning more about like entrepreneurship and owning your own firm and all the benefits and hardships that come along with that. Right. And you're very active on social. I try to be. I think you do a really good job. Well, thank you. Everyone knows who you are. You know, after meeting all those people from COVID, right, I guess getting on Clubhouse. I don't know if you remember that. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, so I, I only did it for a short while, but it was it was good in the sense everyone made me get on to Instagram, right? Because I was usually super against it, thinking that it was stupid. And um, but I ended up getting on it and I met tons of, you know, other lawyers. And so it's been good professionally. And all those lawyers, getting back to your original question of how I end up owning my own firm now, you know, would constantly give me the needle and be like, you know, you're bringing in too many cases not to own your own firm and just be an associate. And then also, once you kind of get to year seven in the legal profession, you either, you know, own your own firm or you got to kind of become partner, right? Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted some equity because I saw the downfalls and the pitfalls in my dad's own career by never, by working at a firm that was only, you know, all associates and just one owner. And so from that past experience and seeing what happened to him versus, you know, and seeing all the value that I brought, that's kind of what led me to and uh, partnering up with my old boss, and now I'm partners with him. I don't want to speak for you, but Joe and I are friends, so we've had these conversations um, in the past, but I've sensed a lot of like fear, which I think is totally normal and everybody goes through whenever you start any business, and you just weren't sure, and I felt like you were like, I know I have to go do this thing, but I'm not ready to do it, and like, what was that like, and what advice would you have for someone that is in that place now? Sure. So I think that fear for whatever it is, is always going to be there, right? And actually taking the steps to combat it are actually what makes the fear go away. I know. It's right? it's the craziest uh, thing about it. Weird how that works out, right? Being afraid of public speaking, you just start talking and then that goes away. You remember yep. like the first time I spoke at, I think it was CEO Lawyer. That's where we met. Like, I was petrified. Yeah, it's scary. It really is scary. Or like talking in front of a jury. It's scary. But when the lights go on and you start talking, well, now it all goes today away. I spoke and I hadn't even looked at my presentation. I didn't even know what order it was in, and I was like, I'm just gonna. And it was wing. great. It just flows, right? It was probably better this time because it was good. You were aggressive. Yes, let's not go right? there. Well, so but getting back to your original question of the fear, right? So I had this fear of. I mean, first off, I'm a father, right? I'm a husband, and. I'm the main breadwinner in my family. And at the time my wife was still working, but you know, we've grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle and it's not like I'm, you know, living on yachts and things like that, but I live a good not life, yet. right? Not yet, exactly. Um, and I live a great life. And so you have that fear of running away from a paycheck to running toward uncertainty. Um, and so there are those fears of how do I put food on the table? Where's my next case coming from? Even though getting back to, you know, my therapist would always say, you know, very deep, right? Getting into that. <laughs> but yeah, she would always say and tell me, you know, fear is not real, right? And the fear of not getting another case or not knowing my, where my other case is coming from 
was in hindsight, it's pretty stupid because they constantly come, right? I've done really well getting back to like the social media aspect. The cases come, right? And they never stop. But having that fear was one of the one main things that kind of held me back and just accepting the needle from, you know, all of my, you know, contemporaries on social media, like, come on, have your own firm, have your own firm. What are you doing? What are you doing? You got a lot of peer pressure though. I did from, you know, you, even though you're not an attorney, <laughs> right? I got it. I got it. Get it from people like Bob Simon or Shaheen Wallace, um, James Helm, you know, Ali would That's give me. top dog. Yeah, top dog law. Nobody Shout knows his name. It's he, just top yeah, dog. Yeah, it's just top dog, right? Um, but yeah, so like people like that. You and know, a lot of always... these people have like big names. So it's like to be hearing this from like people you look up to, that must have been, or maybe you don't look up to them, I don't know. Um, that must have been tough. I respect all all of those people that Including I just mentioned. Including me, right? Uh, of, course. of course, right? Um, I wouldn't have asked you to build my website if I I did, know, right? I know, I'm so, kidding, I'm kidding. If you need a website, use Maria. I guess the worst part about it was when I would go to conferences or talk to people, I could never say I owned anything, right? I was always, I was just an associate or I couldn't pull the trigger and I had no authority to do anything. I couldn't say, you know, we're going to try out this VA company for 90 days. Uh, I couldn't say, you know, we're going to pay for leads with a lead gen service, right? I don't do that. But <laughs> if I wanted to, I had no authority to do so. So I never thought of it that way. I'm so used to like the control that I have that that lack of control must feel very suffocating. It is when you're just an associate, you essentially, you have no power to do anything. You have to ask the bosses. You have to ask the people that are above you what you can and can't do. And so now that I have like my own firm and I've kind of joined up with my prior boss, who's now my partner. Yeah, so how did that come about? Because, so you, you did start your own firm, but in a way you still partnered with your old firm. How did you pull that off? So I'm gonna try and do it as quickly and as succinctly as possible. No, it's a very, it's a very, very long story. So I guess in December, uh, or no, in January of this year, 2023, I had an attorney come after me who I'll leave their name out. And they really, they offered me phenomenal salary, great job security, right? And also allowed me to keep a piece of all my cases that I bring in, right? So it was a, for all intents and purposes, a phenomenal deal. And so I went and to my bosses at the time, I went and told them, look, I'm taking this new position. This isn't really like a negotiation. I'm going to go with this other attorney, you know, re respect you guys, and we can work out an amicable deal with all the cases that I have. And long story short, after I, I kind of got cold feet and I backed out of that acceptance that I had with that attorney. Why did you get cold feet? Can you talk about that or no? Sure. So, no, I, I got cold feet and backed out because I didn't want my what brand i do have to get wrapped up into his brand i didn't want to continue on as only just being an associate it wasn't only about the money yeah the money makes you feel good because it makes you feel like you get a sense of value of that right the offer was fantastic but um and the attorney's fantastic i look up to that attorney and, and think very highly of them but at the same time i just was just like you know will i know my firm now isn't called high voltage law but like the way i've branded myself as like an attorney of the Carolinas, call me up, I'll send you mailbox money. If you're a lawyer, happy to help you, right? I felt like I was gonna lose that. And so, you know, I begrudgingly had to have a really tough conversation and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And I felt really bad, um, but luckily the person understood. And, you know, we're still friends right now. And they still, they were someone that sent me cases and they still do. I was also afraid of losing that, everything that I had built. Right. Um, and getting again. And you had a up. couple offers. It wasn't just one person, right? There was another nope. offer that you got. No, I completely I forgot about that. Really? Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So I did have another lawyer that was like, why don't we do something? And I guess. But it was like a very like silent partner. Yeah, it was a very silent partner ish. And that was after, you know, I had talked to some of my friends like, hey, I'm going to go here. And then actually, no, I'm not going to go there anymore. And uh, I I don't know. I guess people just want to want to be around me, right? And so I think people want to capitalize on what you can do. Exactly, right? And so that got me really, really thinking and in talks with my wife and like just going back and forth with her about it. And even though she's not an attorney, she just like she understands people, right? She has a psychology background, and so we always seem to talk about business. And in talking about that, you know, it was more so I felt like people just wanted a piece of me when essentially. I wasn't sure if that was ultimately going to be the best for all parties involved, right? Um, and getting wrapped up into other people's things, 
It just, it felt different. It didn't feel and right. And she was very supportive. She wanted you to go off on your own, correct? Of course she did. Yeah. She's always been super supportive in that, in that regard. So. I think that's um, really important. Yeah, of course. I mean, just like, you know, you work with your husband. So, you know, and you're out doing all the marketing aspects. You've actually he handles met other my things. husband. It was at Ali's very first conference. It was the first conference I ever went to. Um, I went to one of the law rank dinners. Because right? we had met via social media. We had met via social media. And so you were gracious enough to invite me along with like, you know, when I got there, I was like, I definitely do not belong in this room. So right. <laughs> I was, I felt like, you know, really? super blessed to be there. Yeah, well, compared to the attorneys that were there and I can't remember all of their names, but I could, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to name drop all the people, but a lot of the people there, if you look at success yeah, monetarily, they legit, yeah. yeah, they were all very legitimate law firm owners. I was the only lawyer there that didn't own my own law firm. You know, and I know you do those things for marketing purposes and obviously it's how you grow your business. And I, like going back to, I can't, I had no authority to do anything. No, so. I brought you because you were my friend. Yeah. And I always invite my friends. Well, I mean, you're nice like that. I, so it, People think I'm like very not nice. nice, but I think I am nice. Some people think I'm not very nice. Well, I've never had but anything but pleasant experiences. I know, I know you. But. So, but getting back to that. So after, after the dinner, because I had my car, I, some people wanted to like, you know, go out and we ended up getting stuck on the highway because- Just me, you, and me, Mariano. you, and your husband, yeah, <laughs> getting stuck on the I highway. I mean, we can say some stuff. So we dropped some people off. We tried to drop some people off. At an after hours. At an after hours location. And we did not want to go. And we did not want to go. That is correct. And I'll let the audience fill in the blanks of what locations that yes. they might be. They all got it. And then, <laughs> and then, and then no one's struggling. Uh, yeah, yeah, no one's struggling. And then because Georgia and, or actually Atlanta likes to do construction on their you know, highways, we weren't able to get off of the highway. <laughs> and Joe was like so frustrated. It was like three in the morning. And I was just sitting in the back, like falling asleep. And I think you and Marno were talking, but then there'd be moments where Joe would literally just like be so frustrated. And Marno and I would just start dying laughing. Yeah. Well, so I can't stand. Well, I mean, I'm not special. I can't, I think I speak for everybody in the car when like something is going wrong with your driving. It's probably the most fucking horrible thing in the entire world this, to deal this with. This was like an hour. Yeah. I mean, we had done the dinner. We had done the, you know, going back, we had the whole day of the conference. Then we had the dinner, which was really long. Right. And then we go and drop people off, which I thought was right around the corner. And it was like 20 minutes to drop them off. And then we couldn't get back. And so we're just driving fucking loops around Atlanta because all of the exit things were closed for construction and Google Maps wouldn't tell us the right way to go. It was very comical though. Like yeah, I mean, it, it, became, it. it became funny at the end and it was, you know, it was a good way. I guess I'm grateful for it because it was like almost like an instant way of like building a friendship with you guys, right? And, you know, your husband's like giving me all this like business advice and actually really telling me about like how SEO works, right? Oh, I tuned out for that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like when I talk about insurance or someone's deck page, like how exciting is that? It's, it's not. Uh, it's not, but I don't know, he made it interesting. And so, you know. Some people think he's not real. You've met him. I have met him. I have not seen him since. I have met him. I've seen him on some of your, I've seen him on some of your, uh, on your family posts, but, uh, or I guess your family stories. Yeah. He was with you in New York and, and the he TLU. Was. He so. was, but he didn't see any. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. We had a dinner. And we weren't going to go, um, but we stopped by to say hi. So wait, you guys were throwing the dinner. We were throwing a dinner, but we weren't going. It was like our, you yeah, know, team. Rudy, our team was there. Everybody was like, you have to show up. And we had clients there and they're like, come on. So but so I feel like you guys are law rank. We are. Right? We are. Like it's, it's like synonymous, right? You are. It's really me though. You know, like Nobody you say, it's like Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Like, I know. Like he is Amazon, no, no, no. even though he doesn't own it anymore. But no. like it's Oh, okay. Thing. I see what you mean. But you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people don't even like know that Mariano exists. Like you do. Sure. I mean, maybe people not with like experiences that, I, that I've had with your family, right? But right. yes, I, I could definitely see that because you're the marketing side. Yeah. And the face. Okay. So you decide not to enter this partnership. Yeah, so I decide not to enter either potential opportunity for partnership with So what do you do? Do you people. go and start your own firm? Yeah, so I just go, one day I go into my old bosses, right? Because while I'm you know, still giving my ample time, I believe in leaving places the right way, whether it's a restaurant business or in the law, right? Of giving people ample time to prepare for your departure, right? It's, it's so funny because I have an employee that 
when I hired her, she was like, hey, I need to give three-week notice. Like, I really want to leave things, like, the right way. And then, like, two weeks into it, she was like, hey, you know, my manager's just had, like, a death in the family or something. Like, I really can't leave her right now. Like, I need two more weeks. And I was like, it's one of those moments where someone could be like, no, like, you're not, you don't want this job. Like, you don't take it seriously. But my gut was like, no, like, she really, truly cares. And, like, I want that in my organization. And she's been, like, an amazing hire. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think other people might have the opposite, I guess, advice of if you give people too much time to think on it, then the more that they might backtrack, right? Or think that it's not the right decision for them. So after all of this fiasco, this all happened in, I would say, you know, February and March of 23. So of this year, then I became um, of counsel uh, at my current, at my old firm, right? And so I was just no longer on the payroll. I had my, I opened my own firm, you know, contacted the South Carolina bar and did all of yeah, that's required. Yeah, you contacted me. We went yeah. back and forth on names. Did all and of then the last stuff minute. that's required. Yeah, to open a to open a firm, and I had a firm going. I was bringing cases in, signing. I think I had signed in the first month 20, 20 cases from like other attorneys. Right? It's cool though. Yeah, I mean, I have a talent for getting lawyers to send me cases in the Carolinas. Like that's you are, it's really you're charismatic. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess you know it's I enjoy it. Right, that's the fun part. You know, at the conference that we're at, at Ali's conference right now, like he talks about, you know, a lot of it is, you know, looking at the next case, right? That's how you kind of forecast your marketing and things for the next year. So I'm really into that, right? Like I love signing up new clients. Like it's, it's, I find it fun. I find it challenging. You know, I watch, um, I watch videos on YouTube and read stuff about, you know, marketing um and closing sales have right? you read never split the difference i love that book isn't that great wait yeah. did you ever read the book i sent you i have that book's a hard read to be honest with you i got through the you first you always say that i got to me. I, it is i got through the first two chapters okay right? so while i'm trying to get joe to go on his own and i'm like you really should go on your own he's like everyone's saying this to me i'm like you need to read think and grow rich by napoleon hill and he's like yeah yeah i'll read it and i was like no fuck this so i just like shipped it to yeah. him well, it gets back to like that fear mindset because what I do remember from what I have read of that book, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong because I know you've read it a bunch of times, but it's all about like that you have like abundance, right? Like right. if you like think it and feel it into existence, it will be that, right? And so well, speaking and, like, from he, abundance. And if you like ever read like Joe Dispenza, he takes it a step further and he's like, it's the intent and you have that intent. So it's not just saying and thinking and feeling, oh, I'm going to get this thing in my life. It's like going after it and knowing that you're going to like, even if you have a month where you don't sign up a case, that doesn't mean you're going to stop. Yeah. Like you're going to keep fucking going and be like, no, like what's next? Like, let me try this. Let me do that. It's that intent that really, it's the belief and the intent, I think. And the gratitude of like being grateful for where you are. Yeah, I think it's funny you say gratitude. I wear a bracelet that says that word. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess like that first month when I was when I was trying to like launch my firm, right? I had a name, I had, you know, the South Carolina bar registered everything, got it approved, you know, got a tax ID number, opened everything with the Secretary of State, all that stuff. And I even spoke to ethics counsel about whether or not I can use my name because or my Instagram name, right? The high voltage law tag. Um, because South Carolina has really, really strict rules about potentially promoting results. Now, I don't really think high voltage law promotes results, but- What do they say? So they say you can't have a name that promotes results. But that doesn't promote results. I don't think it does, but- And like, it's a play on your name, on exactly. your last name. That's that's how I believe it. But I spoke to ethics counsel. She believed how you and I believe, but she also said, there's nowhere to go with the South Carolina bar to ask permission. Oh. And so what happens is she's like, your first few years you're doing, no one knows who you are, no big deal. But say you start doing really well. I'm like, when I, I'm like, when I start doing really well, she's like, okay. <laughs> and she goes, so she goes, people will did turn you, really? you in. Oh, yeah, I did say that to her. She was really mean and I'm paying her $500 an hour. She, uh, she was, she was a fucking bitch. You I'm like, I'm paying you and you're being mean to me. And I'm like, and you, I was referred to you by someone else. Why are you being mean to me? I would have uh, fired her. I, yeah, I didn't, but you know. You're nice. So. I was thinking it, but so she was like, I what happens to other, I, no, I didn't, but I just, you know, I let it roll off. But she was, she said, what happens is other lawyers will turn you in and then you got to go and fight it. Right. And then you got to deal with all that bullshit. And then say you lose 
then you lose five, seven, 10 years of branding. And so I was like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. So I opened my, just like a chalk firm. I just called it Volta Law, like super, super boring, right? So I was doing that. And then um, I was still going in all the time with my current, you know, my old bosses and my current partner. And then ultimately he wanted me to come back. And, you know, long story short, there were a lot of like admin things that I didn't want to do, right? And this and, was one of the things that was keeping you. Yeah, from, that was one of the main things keeping me. There's yeah, so many admin that. things that I did not want to do, right? Like keeping keeping the books, setting up payroll, hiring and firing, even though like I still am now semi-responsible for that with the new firm that I started with my old I'll boss. I'll fire for you. Right? <laughs> and so it's like, I didn't want to do that. And I also, I really look up and respect you know, Michael Chandler, who's my current partner, right? I just uh, think of friends when you say Chandler. It, that's how I tell people, that's how I, what I tell adjusters when they ask how to spell the name. I'm like Chandler, like the friends character. I actually think that that'll help your brand. His last name, I swear to you. Well, let's hope it does, right? I'm all for it, you know? But he's like a walking encyclopedia. He's super intelligent, you know? I like to joke with him that I'm pure blood. I've only ever worked on the plaintiff side. And he was an insurance defense lawyer when he first got licensed back in like 99. And he did that for like two or three years before he, you know, became strictly, you know, plaintiff's side. But so he's, he knows so much shit. And like, I don't want to call it, you know, me being lazy, but like, I feel like I'm intelligent because I use the resources that I have. And he was a resource that I can just ask a question to, and he knows the fucking answer, right? And so he, he has the answer to all of like the questions and we make a good team. And you're a partner. Yeah, and now we're partners, right? But that was like a thing for you, like you wanted to be like yeah, I wanted an owner. My name, I wanted to own, I wanted to have equity. I wanted my name on the door. I wanted to ha be able to make decisions. And So you guys started a second firm. We did, right? So he had his firm with his, his other partner and we've since done like a whole reconfiguration because he was part of a general practice firm. And so we've since done like a whole rebrand and reconfiguration where we still are associated with the original firm, but now all of the personal injury assets, liabilities, cases are his and mine. And then the other partner has all of the general business stuff under his umbrella. And we kind of all just, you know, get together and meet in the middle at the end of the day. Well, they say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time exactly, with. Exactly, right? And that was really I, scary when I heard that. I made some changes when I heard that. I heard that when I was in rehab or therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to get into all that unless you really want to. But that's when I heard that, and it really, it's always stuck with me. Wait, did I tell you I took a seven and a half week break from alcohol? No, you did not. Yeah. How was that for you? How how did your life turn out you know, by skipping seven and a half weeks? It's so weird because I didn't drink uh, much pre-COVID because I was always like pregnant and had little kids. and like, you know, it's just like, that's not the life you're living. And then when COVID hit and I was like bored and one day I was like, oh, I'm craving a drink. And like Mariano like found this recipe of like this drink with mezcal that I became like obsessed with. So like every like weekend I would drink and then it just kind of, we moved to Mexico and it's like such a drinking culture. And then I just felt like I was like depending on it. Like not in a way that it's like, oh, you need, you're an alcoholic or putting anything like that. Like I was totally functional, but it was like the end of the day would come and I'd be like, I need a drink. It's like an association or it becomes, I don't want to say like a habit, but it it's a like a, a trigger or you have like a trigger, right? It's like, 5 p.m. or totally a habit you know the news comes on i pour the wine right or whatever it totally yep. and then obviously it's like you end up like i'm at these conferences you party a lot there's just uh, it's a very like drinking culture right and then i started to like feel like i had social anxiety so i needed to drink which is crazy because i don't have social anxiety so it was almost like like it was more of like an it was almost like a anxiety of not having a drink like I needed a drink it was the anxiety was more I don't know if this makes any sense but it was more tied up in like I wanted to drink than anything other than that because I'm not an anxious like I'm, I yeah. don't really have social anxiety like I'm super social right so I slowly started to like change the habits so I stopped like drinking during the week and then I'd be like, I'm gonna take a weekend off. And then I'm, I was like, I'm gonna do a conference sober. That was really tough. And like little by little, it was so hard. Now it's whatever, I, I haven't drank at this conference. So, you know, but like little by little, I just started changing my habits and, and I like to challenge myself. Yeah. So like for me, it's like, and I don't like anything having a control over me. And I definitely felt like it did have a control over me. 
not like a control that it was like messing up my life in any way. Like, mm -hmm. and I, it's not like I was drinking where I was like waking up hungover. I mean, sometimes like, yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it was because I would like party, but it was just even like that one drink at dinner or, you know, those two drinks on the weekend that I just didn't like the pull that it had. And like my biological dad is an alcoholic and my, on my mom's side, her brother's an alcoholic. So you have both ends. I have it on both ends. And I've witnessed what it can do because I've literally had to take my, like, had to have, like, the hotel people, like, open the door. And, like, I had to, like, take my uncle to the hospital. So, what like, was I, that experience like? It sucked. Honestly, <laughs> it just sucked. It was just not pleasant. And it was, like, during Christmas. And it was just not. And I just felt like I shouldn't have to deal with this. Like. They classify it as a disease, right? What? And, like drugs and alcohol, like you have the disease of addiction. And I, I wholeheartedly, and I've been in therapy, I've gone to like self-help, you know, uh, the, I guess the anonymous types of groups, right? And I don't fucking believe that. Like, I feel like it's a lack of discipline, right? Like I refused. And I also feel like it's a, a victim of your circumstance. So like the way that they look at it, and maybe I'm wrong, but just like my personal belief, right? It's like, if I had grown up in a different environment, you're telling me because it's a disease, I was going to catch that shit anyway. No, but I think that's where we go into like nature versus nurture. nurture. Yeah. But I think some people are definitely genetically predisposed to, you know, and I, if I'm honest, like that is a fear of mine because I know that it runs in my family. Um, I don't see that. And even Marin will be like, you're not an addictive person. Like, I don't know what the hell you're worried about. Exactly. But I'm like, I don't know, but it, maybe it's just like the principle and like knowing and knowing that this gene runs through my kids could be running yeah. through. I mean, so like you're likening it to that gene for breast cancer, right? Like, I, I mean, and maybe it is a thing that you're more susceptible if you allow yourself to continue to drink and all that. But that gene for breast cancer, there's nothing that you can do to change that other than get a mastectomy, right? Like Angelina Jolie did. But the drugs and alcohol gene, if you don't ever use them, then you're not going to ever be affected by that. And so it goes back to discipline, right? Like you teach your kids about your family history, and then they can learn about, you know, drugs and alcohol and how they need to be used sparingly or with, with consideration and care. And then that, that gene doesn't become active. But again, it goes back, in my belief, to discipline. Were you disciplined enough to not use those things? And that's how I feel. Because, I mean, it does run in my family, too. But I don't blame that no, for no, my no. circumstance, right? And I agree with you. And for me, it was about, can I have some discipline about it? And I actually, like, reached out to Top Dog. And I was like, hey, like, I haven't drank in seven weeks. And, like, I'm supposed to drink. And I don't know what to do. And, like, yeah. kind of, like, went back and forth with him on it. And he was like, look, if you can set boundaries, there's nothing wrong with that. Just stick to whatever you're going to tell yourself is the boundary. And I agree with Top Dog 100%. So for me, again, I didn't even get drunk. I thought I would. I thought it'd be like, I'd come out here and party. <laughs> and like, that was the whole reason I waited. But then I, I, once I started drinking, I was like, eh. Well, so when you start thinking about it, it ruins your high, right? Like I when I was drinking or having fun, I never thought about the all the fucked up shit that happened or that I did or trouble that I got into. I didn't think anything about it, but then like you quit and you try to not do it, it ruins it ruins your high and you well, start yeah. thinking about it more. That was the other thing. And I think I talked to Jen Gore about it. I was like, I feel like I guilt myself if I drink, I guilt myself if I don't drink. And then it's just become this weird issue where it's just like, I'm just guilting myself no matter what, mm. right? And this is you like- You be kind to yourself, but I get it. Right, and this is like an ongoing thing with a lot of things in my life, like traveling and leaving the kids. And then I guilt myself if I leave and then I guilt myself if I don't. And it's like, I just have to stop that. Where I'm just like, it is what it is. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and I'm not gonna guilt myself about it. And it's just gonna be what it is. So I didn't guilt myself for drinking. I drank, it was fine. I didn't drink as much as I thought I would. Because the other thing is, so they say that if you have a habit you're trying to break to become really curious about the habit while you're doing it. So, because I do think that there's some like habit or discipline, like issues there tied to alcohol. Yeah. For me, it was like, I was even curious while I was drinking. And I was like, well, does this taste as good as I think it tastes? And it was like an expensive bottle of wine. Cause I was like, no, like. <laughs> is this worth, is this it is worth, worth it? it. Yeah, yeah. Like I actually texted a client that knows a lot about wine. And I was like, which one? And he was like, do this one. And I was like, okay. And it was really good. But I was like, is it all I 
thought it was. You see that part of my, I can't, it's been so long I, I, that I even really like think about that part of my journey, you know, cause it was back in 2010. You well, know because I mean? once but, I had the tequila soda, I thought I was like, this is disgusting. Like, and I, and it wasn't like, we were at some like shitty bar in New York with like maybe like 20, 30 conference people. And I was like, this is not worth it to me. Like, I'm not getting drunk for this. So like, I took like two sips and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Just cause I was like, it's just not worth it to me. And I think also, and sometimes the situation that you end up, it's like a learned behavior, just like it's like a learned behavior to you go out and you drink and do whatever. It's like also like a learned behavior to be comfortable with being in that situation yes. and not doing it, right? Like it's like second nature to me now, but it's- Yeah, you know, it's, so Tom Holland did an interview with Jay Shetty. So Tom Holland, the Spider-Man actor, you know okay, who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. And they touched on this whole alcohol thing. So I saw a little clip on social and I was like, I need to listen to it. You need to send it to me because I'm interested. It was so good because he talked about that where he was like, I'm not going to do it justice, but he talked about this thing about like, I didn't feel comfortable like in scenarios where there was alcohol. Mm -hmm. So he just like kept putting himself in it. And, you know, eventually he's like perfectly fine with it. So he forcefully put himself in scenario like- After he got like, after it wasn't as difficult not to drink anymore. Cause he said that the first, I think six months were really, really it, difficult. Extremely, it's extremely, it's one of the harder things to do. It's very hard. So now I, I feel- I mean, you know, you made it seven weeks. It's hard to do. So it's funny because by the end of the seven weeks, I didn't feel that about way about it anymore. And that was like, my fear is like, oh, I feel like I'm good now. Like, and my fear was, do I go back? And I overthink everything, but I was like, do I go back into this? drink and then is it going to trigger this feeling that I had before? Like, am I going to go back to that habit? But that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. And I very much, like, I went out to dinner with Jen yesterday. She was drinking a glass of wine. I just didn't, I'm like, I'm not going to order a glass yeah, so of that, wine. You don't have a problem. No, I know, I, that's yeah. the thing. I know I don't have a problem. But I, again, I do think that, I don't want to say I had a, a big problem, but I did have a dependency on it for stress. That was like the thing, right? And what's interesting is I don't think I felt that much differently because I had already- You don't think you felt differently no. not doing it? Well, I mean- Because I think I had already broken so many habits. Like I already wasn't drinking that much and I was going like two weeks at a time without drinking and maybe I was having like one drink. So I feel like it was more of a gradual, but it was just like, can I prove to myself that I can do this? And I did have a conference during that time and that was tough. That was really tough. The, those are those are some of the hardest things to do is when you are trying to change habits and you go to places or do things that trigger those habits for you, those are some of the, you know, most difficult things, right? Um It is because for me it's it's the biggest thing is like it's a social thing. So like I never really drank alone at home. Like that wasn't my thing, but we would go out to eat a lot. Yeah. So every time we'd go out to eat, I'd order a drink. So that, but for me also, it was the change of scenery. So moving to Miami and being like, because they say a lot of it has to do with your environment. I was like, this is the perfect time to create a new habit. And what's really weird is that right before that, I never liked sparkling water ever. It's really good. But right, it, it's so It's like fun. a go-to for people that quit drinking. It's, but it was funny because right before... Um, we were in Mexico during the summer and my stomach hurt one day and my cousin was like, just drink a sparkling water. And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard and I don't like how it tastes. She's like, just do it. So Mariano loves sparkling water. We always have some. So I went and I grabbed one and I drank it. And not only did it make my stomach not hurt, but I was like, hey, that was actually really good. So we moved to Miami and I'm like, okay, perfect time to change the environment. And I just became obsessed with sparkling water. So then that kind of almost like replaced the little like yeah. nervous habit, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I didn't feel that much. Sadly, I, I thought I would feel like way better, but I didn't. But hold on, I drank a TLU. So I had two glasses of wine with dinner and then I had like four sips of a tequila soda. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> so I didn't even get drunk, which is like the worst part about it. I mean, I did feel a little bit buzzed just because I think my tolerance went away. And I felt I slept so poorly. I because you had the alcohol, you slept poorly. So poorly. So like the next there's day. There's your proof right there. That. 
So that I will say, and then even like the next night we went out and then the following night I didn't drink. Yeah. So it definitely did something. So many things from my story, just in your little snippet that I would, you know, that are like very, very similar. You know, like the, I will say like the, the drinking of the sparkling water, right? Like that's what I did when I quit. Because people, if they saw you out, they would think you're drinking and they won't question you, right? So that's a that's a really good hack if you're struggling or trying to quit and you're around people that are and you don't want to get the questions like, why are you drinking soda or whatever? So I would even go as far as to, because when you're at a bar, they if you get a non-alcoholic drink, it's in one type of glass and you get an alcoholic drink, it's in another type of glass. So I would ask for like soda water in the same type of glass that you get alcohol in. Right, because at the bars, they get a lot of times they'll give you soda water in like a plastic cup or like a big Coke glass. But if you ask for like a soda, like a vodka soda, they put it in like a little, yeah. a smaller glass. So I would ask for the, I would go as so as far to think that people really cared about what I was doing, just so I didn't get questions. And really, most people nowadays don't give a fuck about what you're doing. But that's like a trick that you no, can use. No, but I think you're right because they won't ask you at other conferences when I haven't drink. It's such a pressure. It's like a crazy. You order that. And they won't say anything. They won't fucking know. They'll think you're drinking, you know, tequila, soda or whatever. And you put the lime in it with the small yeah. straws. And that's a way to fake everyone out. You can still be social. You don't have to listen to people's questions. Now I just don't give a fuck because I haven't drank since 2010. I think it's different because, and I, I heard some, I don't know who said this the other day on social media, but they were like, if you say, or maybe I read it somewhere where it's like, if you say I'm not much of a drinker, versus I'm not drinking right now, the different types of pressure that you get is like a huge shift. And also like if we look at personality and habits, um, if you like ever read Atomic Habits, for me it's like I'm trying to also instead of saying like, oh, I'm trying to not drink as much, it's like, no, I wanna become someone that just doesn't drink often. Like it's a personality. I want it to become a personality trait so that because you're more likely to do what you believe is your personality, cool. right? And I saw this with exercise. And I feel it's a discipline to a thing as well, right? Like and a habit. Discipline is the best thing that any individual can have. So many great things come from from discipline. I again, I just like also like challenging myself. But what's funny is is that I going back to the sparkling water. I was at a conference. I was at Brain Trust Legal and I kept asking for soda waters, but they were doing it in the regular cups. So nobody questioned me, but now in hindsight, there's been other times where I'm holding soda water and people are like, what are you drinking? It could be the cups where you just That's tell That's what them, I mean. Or you can, you know, I mean, if you don't want to be someone who's lying, right? You can lie, right? Or it, or no, if you were like, if you lied and said like vodka soda, right? You know what I mean? Um, or you just own it and go back to like that wordplay that you just discussed. No, I right? won't like, lie. I'm not, you know, it's just, you know soda water and then you're not drinking or you you know you can i've already forgot the wordplay that you said but yeah, like i'm just not say like oh i'm not much of a drinker. yeah i'm not much of a drinker because right? then it's like oh you don't drink and then it's like you go down to this whole like i'm sure it happens yeah to I, all the time yeah all the and like time. why and is it because and especially for me what's weird about it is that people are like well why are you not drinking it's none of their business but people inherently want to know because it's a cultural thing it's a it's an american cultural but thing so it's like, if you're an alcoholic and you say, oh, well, because I'm an alcoholic, people stop there. But when you're, when that's not the core issue, yeah. it's like, really? Wait, it's like, wait, what? why not? I mean, why? I have, why? Why? I have so many people that are like, just have to live life, like live a little or all, oh, come on, I'm going to try to convince you. No, we're definitely going to drink when I see you. Like, we're going to break that. And it's just like, so if I start to say, oh, I'm just not much of a drinker. Kind of like there's no judgment and it's not that I don't drink, but it's just like, uh, then no, they're like. It's tough if you're trying to do that and you get pestered, right? A lot of, you got to like set boundaries though. And, and I'm good at that. Yeah, no, of course you are. It but it sucks. It does suck in the beginning. But if you tell the same person and you run with all the same people and you're telling your friends this, you might get it here and there from strangers. But, you know, most people, they'll, they'll eventually get it and respect it. Like now when I get those questions, I just straight up tell people, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I was crazy. You wouldn't know me right now if I still drank, you know? And then the more I get to know them, I'll, you know, give them bits and pieces of my past life, right? But it's not necessarily for everyone to have. I mean, but the reason I feel like the way I, I'm thankful for those things in like my history, because it, it makes me more interesting. It has, people that don't have stories are lame. If you don't have any stories, then you're probably not very cool or very interesting. Do you ever post about this in your social? 
feel like yeah, it's it would, one of my pinned stories. It would resonate so much with me. It's one of my pinned stories. You know what's crazy? Whenever I post about how, so I was very like open about it on social. Like I'm trying to drink less. I've never gotten so many responses. Well, I mean, so Ever. people like vulnerability, right? Like, I mean, how interesting going back to like how interesting is always posting about SEO, how it works, how you got to, how you got to get, yeah, how you got to, yeah, you never post anything, right? Because you know, you're like, how interesting is talking about giving Google what it wants, right? Answer questions and it wants to make money. It's a for-profit business. You paid attention to it. Right? So those are the two things that Google wants, right? But like, how interesting, and my wife says this shit to me all the time. She's like, you need to do more stuff like lifestyle shit about yourself, right? I agree with her. She's like, no one fucking cares what to do after an accident, pull over, call the cops, don't talk to the insurance company, call a lawyer, great. They don't fucking care, you know? Um, I've literally had people come up to me at a conference that I've never met and stop me and be like, hey, I follow you on social when you post about the not drinking alcohol. Like that really resonates. Yeah, it does, because people... So you have struggles with that, man. Like, and it's hard, right? And like when I was quitting smoking, right? Because I quit that. Oh, too. I remember. But that. I got so much more. I guess you want to call it engagement, or like the algorithm liked me, right? And Mark Zuckerberg thought I was cool. You know what I mean? Did, uh, did he text you? No, he did not. <laughs> um, you know, like people really resonate with that, and it goes back to like discipline. For me, it goes back to discipline. Like I said, I was going to do it, and I I fucking did it, and I like. I would give anything to smoke a cigarette right now. Like during this, you know, podcast, I would be sitting here ripping Newports if I could. Like I love it so much. But, you know, at the end of the day, like smoking's bad, right? Like they say. I mean, it is. No, 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 it is bad. It's really bad. And it makes your it makes your life insurance rates skyrocket. So like that's that was the main that was the main driver, right? Really? Again, getting back to Not like, money health? based. No, because like I have no vices, right? Like but I mean, I, I know, just but don't, that was your one vice. That was my last vice. I quit drinking. I don't smoke weed. I don't do any of that shit. So I, but I would smoke Newports like pack a day, right? I love That's it. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. But I, I put it out there on social media after I got denied for like, well, I didn't get denied for life insurance. It was just like four hundred dollars more a month than a polar, a carbon copy of me, non-smoker. It was eighty, and then me smoking was four eighty a month. That's like for the amount of coverage. And how long do you have to not smoke to? A year, right? So I didn't purchase the the life insurance policy. I made it a year, and I'm now in the process of like going back through the 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 policy. Yeah, and so like I did it because like you know I just thought it's ludicrous to have to pay that much more, and like you know I don't want to die. Because I remember you were like, "This is my only vice," and I was like, "Can you not smoke?" It's great. I love. I still love it to this day. I walk by someone smoking, like on the street or in the elevator most people are disgusted i i breathe in, i breathe in deep and and and, and sniff that shit i love it <laughs> it's like you know i'm kind of like wanting a cigarette just sitting here talking about it but um you know i just not it's not worth it right like my kids hate it my kids would always say that i smell like shit mariana used to yeah. smoke smoking's cool man like it's I don't not know, cool. you, it is there's nothing cool i did i i disagree with you like you're hanging out you're at like you know, a restaurant back when you could smoke in them or you're, you know, somewhere in a social it's setting. It's not cool. It is very cool. That, you let society spin it and tell you that it's not cool. But I don't, don't think smoke. it's cool, but don't smoke, I think it's but. gross and nasty and smells gross. But I it's do okay. think. You're entitled to that opinion. I do want to clarify something. I will still drink. That That's not a problem, right? But well, you don't come, you've already proven that you don't have a problem with it though, right? Because it's not like a daily thing. You just don't like sometimes. for a minute. It wasn't like a get like fucked up daily thing, but I craved it every day. Yeah. I, and that's, I don't like that. I don't like that. And I feel the same way about like sugar. Like if, if it's like, and I don't eat a lot of sugar, but if it was like calling to me every day and I've, I've been through that before where, you know, you start eating more sugar and then it's like, like calling, you know, like you have that. I don't like that. I don't want to crave anything. Look, man, nothing in life that's fun or enjoyable is good for you. But I mean, who's going to live that way really? That's right? not true. What, what's good? But you're that it's good for you, but you're putting yourself through pain. But I love it. I understand. But you love, but you're still, you would agree that you're, you're putting yourself through Absolutely. suffering. Absolutely. Okay. So you're suffering through that, it right? It feels great though. Yeah. Afterward. No, during too. Yeah. I, I mean, for uh, a, I, I guess for a few seconds, depending on how much like, weight you're doing. Yes, it doesn't, but. Yeah. Right. So you're suffering, right? But you're going for a result. But, um, you know, all like sugar, alcohol, drugs, all that stuff, right? Like, I mean, it's, it is fun. I'm not into drugs. I've never been into drugs. You know what it is? Because with alcohol, even though you're not in control in the moment, you think you're in control. It's like the worst thing ever. 
But with drugs, you know you're not in control. You're like, holy shit, this trip. And like, you can't even like snap out of it or anything. Not that you can snap out of alcohol, but you think you're fine. Most of the time, assuming you didn't drink like an absurd amount. Yeah, I mean, I think like going back, some of like memories that I can put myself back to with with alcohol is like standing at a urinal and having like the spins and then you go. Well, I don't know anything about the urinal, but. But then you go to wash your hands and you stare. I remember I would stare at the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm fucked up. And I'd look at myself <laughs> in the mirror. And then I, you know, this is again back when you could smoke. So then I'd walk out and light up a cigarette and I walked out of the bar or out of the restroom and, you know, continue about my night. But yeah. Do cigarettes sober you up? No, it's just they taste, no, they just taste so good Ew. when you're on alcohol. Ugh, sounds awful. You should pull your pull your community about it. I they'll, will. they'll all agree. But no one smokes anymore because they made it taboo. And I think eventually that's what's going to happen with alcohol. I don't know. You don't? I think it has already happened where like people are less inclined yeah, to. New generations don't, they don't drink the way we drank when we were their age. I would agree. Yeah. No, it's, it's like statistically. No, it's statistically. No, I agree with you. I've seen the statistics. You're totally right. I, I think mean, it's, assuming they're right. It's like a cultural shift, but a lot more, a lot, I feel like people, more people smoke weed now than they used it, to. Probably. But also like there are so many other issues, like people are just less social too, so. You have that, and then they're on like tons of like antidepressants and stuff, right? Not that they're bad, it's no, just no, like no. that's kind of like the culture and like how America is. Like you go to the doctor and they prescribe you medicine. Well, let's go back to social because like, I know I don't post reels, but I do my Insta stories. and I don't have a, a big following, but whenever I am being vulnerable, whether it's like I have anxiety and I'm talking about it or, I'm trying not to drink or like I'm having a hard time because I moved. Anytime I've ever been vulnerable is when I get the most responses. I totally agree, you know, totally with you. That or saying something controversial, right? So when I post stuff about quitting smoking or, you know, hey, this is like my 13th year of sobriety. This is how I did it. You know, change people, places and things. You know what I mean? Talk about my problems with, you know, a healthcare professional, right? Practice gratitude, right? Like those are things that like I lean into. And whenever I post about them, even though I don't do it all that often, I get tons of, you know, I guess engagement, right? Or people wanting to discuss it. And the same thing with like the the smoking, right? Because um, people, I feel like people, they resonate with that, right? Like it's it's it makes you more human to them because they they have struggles, whether it's not with alcohol and drugs, but you know, it could be with, you know, being working too much or whatever it is, right? Like not going to the gym enough, right? Or whatever, right? They it's still all the same thing. It's just you replace, you know, the bad thing with the same feelings. And then the the other thing is is that you see so much of like the perfect life on social media. Exactly. That I think it's really refreshing to like see the real yeah you know. no i i totally agree with that right like i mean I, I feel like sometimes people forget that right that social media is just like someone's highlight reel right they're not posting when they're like sitting there feeling like shit and like overeating right because they had like a huge dinner and they're just like uh dying like that's no one cares right um that's not like the glamorous part of your life but i kind of just do what like i feel at the moment right i know they have tons i follow Instagram like guru people. Who? I follow Brock Johnson, Insta Mike. Um I follow he's him like a too. Russian he's like a I Russian think guy I do. that um maybe not. But yeah, but I follow both those people and then um I'll follow camera tricks. Mm -hmm. Oh really? Uh, yeah, because they show you how to like film reels and do the transitions. Right? Because I don't I'm not a videographer. I don't know how to do that. So that's another thing. All my stuff, I do all myself. Like I don't send it to videographers. Really? I have to build it all myself, right? And so that is Part of the reason why I don't post as much as some other people, right, that have media teams is because I do it myself. It works really, really well. How many followers do you have? 3,800. And then of that 3,800, I probably got almost all of them from two reels that I had go viral. I had two reels that went like, one of them did 3 million views, and the other one did 2 million views. What were these reels on? They were basically lawyer react videos. Really? Was, yeah, I mean they had they had good hooks and then the videos were semi long, right? So the hooks kept them and you got long watch time that that guy Brock kind of teaches you like how you can kind of get longer viewed reels and you know more views on your reels. Um and then I made a com I I commented on them legally, like the legal ramifications of it. It's easy content, right? You don't really have to think a lot, right? Cuz that, that shit's played out where it's like, you know, you lip sync and talk over something and point to air, right? And you got to 
you know, lip sync something and make it relevant to your area, right? And that's lame. And so now it's, people like watching car crashes, right? You know what I mean? It's like interesting. Like you're, if there's a good hook, you'll sit there and wait and see what happens. Like how bad is this going to be, right? How bad is this person going to get fucked up? I attribute a lot of my followers to those two videos. But you also get cases referred from other lawyers that follow you? Yeah, ton. So that's all of like the engagement and like the DMs that I have with other lawyers, right? Are, you know, obviously maintaining those relationships and I've become friends with so many of them, but there are lawyers all over the country that just reach out to me because in my profile, I say, you know, hey, if you're a lawyer, you know, send me a case, I'll send you mailbox money. And so like, they don't have to do anything. And like the bar rules, let me do that in North and South Carolina I can share fees. I put those lawyers on the contracts, like the name of their firm. That's kind of where I get all my case from. Other lawyers that hit me up or like, you've introduced me to a lawyer that needed, you know, people in the Carolinas. And then, you know, I started a conversation, like, I think you sent a three-way text and I started a conversation with him and he sent me three cases, right? It was three um, girls in the I, same car. I haven't gotten, a f you know, a I haven't a settled gift it yet. And I can't, I can't. Uh, I, you can give me a gift. You can um, we'll have to see what do SEO with me. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens at Christmas time, right? I can't share fees. Why are you trying to put me on blast I know, on I your podcast? I didn't say fees. Yeah, I never yeah. said fee. I said, I know that. I'm not an idiot. Right, I would out, never accept a fee. I'll because pick out a nice gift. I'm kidding. I'm totally messing with you. I'll re-gift you that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. <laughs> you reread it. I'll re-gift you that book that you sent me. On a tangent, I hate it when lawyers post that they're in trial on their stories, and then they just fucking ghost. And then I'm like, you lost and you don't have fucking balls to go up here and put your face on the screen and say that you lost, right? And I don't understand why, because like no one wins all the time, yeah. right? And so I just had a trial. I was posting the whole time. I thought I was going to win. I had a great client and I got my face pushed in, right? Like I asked for 100K because it was a little soft tissue case and the jury came back and gave me 5,500. I oh felt, yeah, I felt so low, right? I felt, I felt terrible for my client. I felt like a crappy lawyer, right? And I'm like, damn, man, like, I have all these people holding me accountable, like that I'm posting on these stories, like thinking that they really care that I'm, you know, that they're going through life thinking about Joe's trial when they're probably not, right? But that's how I felt about the smoking. Like, I can't not smoke. Like my wife, my kids, and you know, the 10 people that follow me on Instagram are gonna give me shit. But like I posted that I lost and so many people were like, hey man, you know, like that's awesome. You at least did it, you know, mad props for posting that you lost, you know. Um, and I feel like that stuff is what really drives the authenticity and the friendships that I've made with people. People know you try cases, who gives a shit you lost. Like it's it's good that they know that your case, if they send you one, it'll be safe with you, right? You're not gonna just, you know, not protect. Cause I, I, I have a sense of responsibility, not only to like the clients that they send me with, but to the lawyers that send me cases to their name, their brand, their reputation, right? Because let's face it, maybe the people forget me but they remember that, that, and let's say they remember that lawyer that referred them to me. And if they had a bad experience with me, they not only might think that I suck, but like now they could be mad at in that other lawyer, right? And so then it reflects poorly upon them. And so I, you know, I take it as a, a huge compliment whether someone sends me a catastrophic case or they send me like, hey, my, my friend was rear-ended in a parking lot and their back hurts, you know? Well, next time we'll talk about like the, the progress. I'm, I'm curious to see the progress of your new firm. I, I am too. The last step and to go live with it will be once once we have the uh, the website done that you're building and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to everything Joe shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.